In today's episode, I have said so many times in my series on the five basic relationships, you should have learned good Christian foundations in your family of origin. Well, this is the beginning of your children's family of origin, and you are the ones that need to teach them how to grow up successfully as a Christian and move into their calling, and then they will do the same with their family. Welcome to God's Love Language, a podcast designed for Christian discipleship with emphasis on developing our relationship and fellowship with God. Now, here is our host, Joe Enlow. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate that. And we are glad that you are back. Greetings and welcome back to God's Love Language with Joe Enlow. I am your host, Joe Enlow, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. If this is your first time as a listener, we have just finished up our series on the marriage and God. And today we begin our series on the parent and God, being a parent and God. There will be a total of five different series altogether that we cover. All are discussed in the order of how they were created by God. Because first there was the individual and God, then became the marriage and God, then the parent in God, and the child in God, and finally the sibling in God. We have already covered the first two, and today we begin the third. This is our introduction episode, and we'll set the stage for a biblical view of the purpose of being a parent, the purpose of children, and being sure you're ready to have children, and understanding your motivation to have children, explaining Christian conversion to children you already have, including stepchildren, and then we take a look at how God sees children in the Bible. So, you want to become a parent. To have children to raise and to have someone that will always love you and honor you. Maybe you already have children, and since you have become a Christian, you now want to understand how raising them in a Christian home will be different. Do you realize that there has never been a child born sinless except Jesus? Adam and Eve were created sinless, then they sinned, but all of their children were born with a sinful nature. You were born with a sinful nature, and all of your children were either born with a sinful nature or will be born with one. The core basic characteristic of a sinful nature is selfishness, seen also as greed and self-seeking behavior. That was the nature of sin in Satan's rebellion, and in Eve and Adam's disobedience and rebellion. As we have discussed before, all sin can be traced back to this core. What makes this core sinful behavior wrong? It is because it is completely contrary to the desire God has for us, the reason he created us. What is the reason he created us? God created us to love, to love him first, seek his, uh, to hear his voice, do his will, and glorify his name, that is, to obey his commands. 
And then we are learned, or then we are to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the definition of God's kingdom here on earth. This is the goal and purpose of the family, to teach and help each other overcome the sinful nature and to manifest yourself as a devoted and active kingdom citizen and to raise your children to be devoted and active kingdom citizens. Your job as parents is to instill this understanding into the children you raise. You pass the torch to them, and then they pass it to their children, and so on. Some of us believe that children are for our own edification, our own glory. But realize this. They only shed glory on you when you have raised them to glorify the Lord. God will give you credit for that. It isn't our job to make them a sports star or a successful CEO or a movie star or a singing star or even the world's greatest, greatest rodeo star. Those things may happen, but if they happen outside of a devoted life to God, then they have missed their true calling and you may have pointed them there. Raising them with a God-centered point of worldview, teaching them to overcome their sinful nature, teaching them to follow God's commands, and loving their brothers and sisters will give them the tools they need to be successful at any endeavor that the Lord leads them to. You are not to live vicariously through your children. They are lent to you by God for a purpose, to bring them up with the fear and wonderment of God, accomplishing His plan on this earth. It is not about you or them. It is about accomplishing God's desires for humans here on earth. Now, do not think that I am saying to keep your children out of sports or music. I am just saying there needs to be a kingdom focus for anything you or your children get involved in. It and of itself, sports, music, or a successful businessman or a woman is not needed by God. Remember our discussion about creation? God does not need us, but he is love and wanted to offer a chance for his creations to experience his love for us and our love for each other. That's how you learn to be humble. It is a privilege to be created and given an opportunity to love our Creator back by glorifying Him, especially by giving Him our free will, our control of our free will. But sin is there to test your free will. Are you going to make it about you or your child? Or are you going to fulfill your calling and reap the eternal rewards? This leads us to the ultimate question, a question I have already answered. What is my child's purpose on this planet? This can also be asked of the parent. Until we understand God's purpose, we will continue to fail at life. Even if we succeed at sports or business, if we fail to accomplish that for which the Creator designed us, we will fail at life as God meant it to be. May I suggest a purpose that would reflect the clear revelation of our Creator. We were created by God in His image as imagers, so that we might have a personal relationship with Him. That relationship then opens the door to fellowship and intimacy with Him on earth, not just in heaven. That is how you have an abundant life here on earth. Abide in Him, and He will abide in you. 
we were redeemed so that we might advance God's kingdom by his power through us for his glory here on earth, as on earth as it is in heaven. As Ken Hemphill and Richard Ross say in their book, Parenting with Kingdom Purpose. I take this purpose from the concluding words of the prayer of Jesus as recorded in Matthew 6. If our purpose is to know God through Jesus Christ and then to advance his kingdom with every fiber of our being, are we doing our children a disservice if we fail to raise them in such a manner that they understand their purpose? If we are one day going to be judged by our Creator for the use of gifts and resources for his kingdom when we fail to teach our children this truth, are we doing them any favor? To paraphrase a well-known quotation from the Bible, what if we raise our children to gain the world, but in the process they forfeit their souls? We need children who excel in every field, athletic, artistic, business, who see their gifts and vocation in the light of the overarching concern of the kingdom of God. This balance would help the parents to ensure that baseball or ballet did not become a surrogate God. Anytime you're you lift anything above serving God and doing His will, you are in danger of serving an idol. And that includes lifting your own children and family above what God has for you. So what is your motivation for wanting children? As a counselor, I would make sure it is not to try and bring a healing to your marriage. The stress and anxiety of raising children will only put fuel on a troubled marriage. You should never have children to meet or just to meet an emotional need or desire for yourself. If you lack in these areas or problems in these areas, first get healing and then consider children. You will only pass that skewed sense of self to your children if you do not. Is it so you can try to live vicariously through your children? Is it because you want to follow God's command to have children? Is it because your parents want grandchildren? Is it because your employer looks favorably on employees with a family? Whatever the reason, the overriding factor and reason should be to advance the kingdom of God. You should also be ready to handle the increased demands of parenthood. Having children requires most of your time and energy, as well as a strong and solid relationship with your spouse. You may think you deserve more sleep, more me time, and more attention, but Remember the phrase I use all the time when I say it's not about you? Well, that goes double when you have children. If you already have children and you are a new Christian, there will be additional effort needed to institute God's plan for your family. And depending on the age of the children, you may not see the fruits of your efforts for years. Special strategies and methods will be needed, and I I will try to give you some that work. Both your faith and love for God can lead to success if you persevere and are intentional in your efforts. You have to do it. You tell yourself to do it in spite of maybe evidence or troubles to the contrary. If you currently have children and you're a new Christian, or maybe you have decided to get serious with your relationship with God, you need to start with changing yourself. Go back to the beginning of my episode, starting with episode three. The first two were introductory episodes. There you should listen as I attempt to help you understand the changes needed to become a disciple of God. 
Then listen and apply the teachings I have for each successive episode until you come current with this episode. The only thing you will be able to control is you. You will need a firm foundation. You need to be well-groomed in your beliefs and faith before attempting to change children, normally older than five or six. Your faith and beliefs will be tested when it comes to making major changes to the family way of life and core beliefs. In the meantime, you need to be to lovingly explain to your children what is happening to yourselves as a couple, especially to the older children. Keep the explanation age appropriate. Don't expect younger children to understand what an adult has trouble understanding. If you only have infants or younger children, then it might be easier to make the transition, but make sure you attend a church that believes like you do. You need all the help you can get from the community. Don't worry if they have slight differences. Just make sure that the major core biblical foundations are there. If you have inherited stepchildren, your work could be very difficult, especially if they're unbelievers. Even worse, if they're unbelievers that have a parent your spouse's ex that dislikes religion or worships differently than you if it happens more than you think. Many times a spouse that that was divorced finds God in their difficult time of abandonment and then eventually, because they're now in church, they marry a believer. You and your spouse will be the God your unbelieving children are first introduced to. That is how you act and talk will be the personification of the God you preach. You must have a foundation and stick together. You will have trials. Your lives, your living examples, will persuade and influence your children more than anything. More on that in later episodes. If you can help the children get involved in the youth ministries at the church, it might also help. Expect the worst at the beginning and pray for the best. Your patience will be tested. The closer you get to God, the more you and your children get exposed to the Christian life, the easier it will become. Everyone's character has to change. It is awesome how this kind of happens. You stay committed to God, and soon you realize how much you start to change. Okay, I'm going to begin the teaching from the very beginning now. You're I'm presume that everybody's just getting married and you've decided after a while, a couple of years or so, that you're mature enough in the Lord to begin multiplying. It will begin from pregnancy or we will begin from pregnancy and then we will walk through all the developmental stages. If you have older, older children, then you can pick up on the developmental stages as I get there. Remember, though, you will never be fully ready to have children. There's, there will always be some doubt. The grace and mercy of God allows you to keep learning and growing as you raise children. You will learn as an adult. That is one of the reasons that it is such a blessing to raise children. Raising children can be the worst of times, but it can be the best of times as a human. Have you ever pondered the story of Eve after she was put out of Eden? Some people believe Adam and Eve became sinners, which they did, and lost their relationship with God, which they did not. What they lost was intimate fellowship with God, like no one has ever had before, walking and talking directly to him. But they still believed. Just look at the accounts of Eve giving birth. In Genesis 4.1, Eve bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. In verse 25 of chapter 1, after giving birth again, she said, For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. 
Eve still maintained her love and understanding of who God was. She also understood that her children were a gift from God. And verse 26 then says, Men began to call on the name of the Lord. It was a good time to be an imager of God. What does God think of children? The younger ones. Children are from God, given to you to raise for him, to learn to hear his voice, do his will, glorify his name. In Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5, it says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward, like arrows in the hand of a a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. How blessed or how blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. In the Old Testament, children are instruments of God's activity and symbolically a guarantee of the covenant between God and the people of Israel. In the New Testament, children are principally a model or image for the believer to emulate. Childlike faith is a goal for every believer. God's greatest gift and guarantee of the covenant with Israel was that of children. Despite every other gift, Abraham felt a com- at a complete loss without children. Genesis 15, 1 through 3. God's promise of a numerous prosperity to Abraham and Sarah was at the root of the biblical covenant in Genesis 12. In the early biblical period, immortality was linked to living on through children who carried on the name of their parents. That's in Genesis 48. When there was no offspring, the Leveret Law provided for carrying on this name for a continuity through the nearest relative. That usually when the, if a man died, his brother would take his, his wife. That's in Deuteronomy 25, 5-10. Children were important in worship, prayer, and ritual. Ritual. You can find that in Exodus 13 and Deuteronomy 4. The Bible attaches special, special significance to the blessing of children, especially before the death of parents. That's in Genesis 27, 48, and 49. The ancient Jewish custom of blessing children follows the ritual of these texts. The priestly blessing is also used for them. That's in number six. Yet, in contrast to human ways, the Bible presents God as acting in a surprising way through children and young people. Wisdom is a special gift from God in Proverbs 2. Granted even to little ones, God gives the young Joseph the gift of interpreting dreams and ruling the land of Egypt. The young Solomon asks God for wisdom through the gift of a listening heart. The Book of Wisdom, the Proverbs, expands on this story and describes Solomon as asking for wisdom as a child and pursuing it through his youth as if searching for a bride. You can find that in Proverbs 6, 3 through 7, and chapter 7 and 8. In regard to creation, the psalmist declares that even little children are able to perceive and praise the wonders of God's universe. Psalm 8, 2. As if to turn the tables on ordinary human expectations, the Bible focuses on examples where God works through the young and little ones. He favors not Cain, the firstborn son of the human race, but the younger Abel. When when Rebecca, Jacob's mother, consults the Lord, she receives an answer that the elder shall serve the younger. Before death, Jacob blesses his 11 sons, but gives a double blessing to the youngest, Joseph. Joseph, in turn, desires Jacob's special blessing for his oldest son, Manasseh. Instead, it is granted to the younger, Ephraim. When the prophet Samuel searches for a new king to replace Saul, he meets Jesse and his seven sons at their home. However, 
God tells him that despite their impressive strength and appearance, none will be the anointed one. Instead, it will be David, a little one, and a shepherd out in the fields doing the work often allotted to children. In 1 Samuel 16, God enables David, too young even, to go to battle to overcome the Philistine champion, Goliath. The image of a child plays an important part in messianic expectations. The prophet Isaiah announces a future child of David's line will be the hope of his people despite much suffering. The same prophet also describes this future in terms of an idyllic return to the childlike innocence of the garden. The prophet Zechariah has a vision of the messianic era as a time of peace and joy when the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in them. I have said all this to make this point. To become a parent is no passing thought or venture. You are creating an imager of God, someone you are responsible for and to raise for God. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders has several diagnoses that include origins that begin in a dysfunctional family. That's the mental health Bible, quote-unquote, for lack of a better word. That's what we use to to come up with a diagnosis for someone in mental health. So a lot of those origins of those diagnoses become, begin as in a, when the kids are brought up in a dysfunctional family. That is not to say that any dysfunctional family will turn out mentally ill people. It just says that the quality of family, especially the parents, will have an important impact on the mental faculties and personality of the child. Parenting is not to be taken for granted. This is one reason to avoid sex before marriage, so that you have no unplanned pregnancies. As a parent, you are the apostle, prophet, evangelist, preacher, and teacher to that child. You will play many other roles also, including counselor, doctor, nurse, judge, and both prosecuting and defending attorney. I will begin next month with a spiritual preparation for becoming a parent, how to begin the process of parenting while the baby is in the womb, and then presenting 10 principles or beginning 10 principles for raising children, which is also discipling them. Until then, may God bless you and keep you. May his light shine upon you, and may you be the type of parent that God designs us to be. May God give you the wisdom to be like Jesus. Blessing. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. If you would like more information about our podcast and subject matter, or if you would like to leave a comment, go to godslovelanguage.com. Or you may email Joe at jnlo at godslovelanguage.com.